Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, history enthusiasts, you get not one, but two events in history today. Heads up that you also might hear two different hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. With that said, on with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 21st. The first modern planetarium opened on this day in 1923, which probably makes this sound like an episode that's going to be a lot happier than it really is in the end. So before this point, there were several ways to visually represent the solar system and planets and things like classrooms and museums. One was an orrery, which was like a large-scale model of the solar system, like you might make in elementary school, with balls and sticks that represented the planets. Some of these were incredibly beautiful and complex. They sometimes were operated by a series of gears that made the planets actually orbit. You might use a dome or a sphere with the stars painted on, or one that was lit from the outside with pinholes to mimic the stars. People also placed maps of stars onto a globe to be looked at from the outside. In 1912, Professor E. Henderman also invented something he called an orbitoscope. And this was a model of two planets that orbited a sun and a light that showed where their various shadows fell from a particular vantage point. This was a good way to visualize what planetary motion looked like. Then astronomer and privy counselor Max Wolf suggested to Oscar von Miller of the newly opened Deutsches Museum in Munich 
that he should have some installations related to astronomy. The museum was already set to have observatories and telescopes, and Wolf recommended that it also have some kind of installation that could demonstrate the stars and planetary motion. The museum contracted with Zeiss Optics to work on this, and Zeiss had previously donated telescopes to the museum. While working on this project at Zeiss Optics, Walther Bowersfeld had an idea in 1914. He thought he might be able to use a central light source to project the sun, moon, and planets onto the inside of a dome. Another engineer and director at the firm named Rudolf Straubel expanded on that idea to include the stars as well, all projected from the same central apparatus. The projection apparatus that was needed to do this was completely new, and it was a very inventive use of optics and light. The company had to put work on this on hold during World War I, but then a 16-meter dome was installed on the roof of the Zeiss factory in Jena in August of 1923. A series of demonstrations and tests followed, and then the whole thing was disassembled, taken to Munich, and reassembled at the Deutsches Museum. This first public showing happened on October 21st, and the response was extremely excited. People nicknamed this brand new first ever planetarium the Wonder of Jena. Soon, the idea of the planetarium spread. More and more of them opened in more cities. Millions of people had visited one within five years. A very incomplete list of these first planetariums. One opened in Berlin in 1925, one in Moscow in 1928, one in Chicago in 1930, and one in Osaka in 1937. All of these used Zeiss technology. And the first non-Zeiss planetarium opened in Springfield, Massachusetts, and was built by the Korkaz brothers in the 1930s. So, as I noted earlier, the Zeiss Planetarium was the work of Walther Bowersfeld and Rudolf Straubel. But Bowersfeld has gotten almost all the credit for it. This is because Straubel was forced to resign from Zeiss in 1933. This was a time of increasing Nazi policies in Germany, and the other directors at Zeiss demanded that Rudolf divorce his wife Marie, who was Jewish, or else resign his job. So he resigned. He and his family went on to be persecuted by the Nazis. He was removed from his teaching position at the University of Jena. Marie was arrested during Kristallnacht, but later released. Then Rudolf died of kidney cancer in 1943. Although they'd been targeted by the Nazis this whole time, Marie's marriage to Rudolf had been offering her some protection, and with that gone, she was given orders for deportation to a concentration camp. She took her own life instead in June of 1944. Their sons were later deported to labor camps. Rudolf Straubel was mostly written out of the history of the planetarium, with Barsfeld getting most of the credit. Barsfeld's first public acknowledgement of Straubel's involvement after the end of the war came in a brief mention in a paper not long before his death. Thanks to Eves Jeffcoat for her research work on today's podcast and to Tari Harrison for her audio work on the show. You can subscribe to this day in history class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a disappointment.
There are some stories in Jewish history that are so bizarre, so fascinating, so completely wild that they feel like they're straight out of a movie, but they're all true stories. Join hosts Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab on Jewish History Nerds for a new season of intrigue, mystic realms, and bloody battles. In season three of these podcasts, you'll meet an ancient Arabian king who converted to Judaism in a struggle for power, a mysterious author who created amulets and performed Kabbalistic exorcisms, and a can't-miss story of a female Hasidic Rebbe whose story unfolds like a real-life Yentl to challenge societal norms. Jewish history nerds will keep you on the edge of your seat as you learn all about some of the craziest and most amazing yet largely unknown stories that fill Jewish history books. Find out what happened, how it happened, and why each story still matters today. Don't miss Jewish History Nerds Season 3, hosted by Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab. Find Jewish History Nerds wherever you listen to podcasts. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Hi everyone, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast where we build the time machine and all you have to do is hop in. The day was October 21st, 1956. Leader of the Mau Mau Uprising in Kenya, Daydan Kimathi, was captured. The Mau Mau Uprising was a conflict in British Kenya between British colonists and the Kenyan Land and Freedom Army, also known as the Mau Mau. Britain had been establishing its rule in Kenya since the late 19th century, as part of the scramble for Africa. Kenya became part of the British Empire in 1920. As the British began to vie for control and exploit resources in East Africa, they also attempted to quell resistance from local Africans. Though some locals were initially tolerant of the British, some ethnic groups rebelled against the intrusion and violence of British forces and authorities. 
In turn, the British met this resistance with violence, including executions. On top of the suppression by British forces, famine and disease were also affecting local populations. And European colonists were seizing and claiming land for themselves. As more Europeans moved into Kenya and indigenous Kenyans were dispossessed of their land, Africans began forming groups that advocated for their rights, like the Kenyan African Union. There was also a large disparity of wealth between the disenfranchised Kenyans and the Europeans and Indians who lived in and around Nairobi, as well as some rural areas. Relations between colonists and indigenous Kenyans were hostile, and the oppression that Kenyans faced under British rule fed the spirit of resistance and led to nationalist movements. As discontentment grew, nationalists with radical ideologies separated themselves from Kenyans who were working for constitutional reform. Many of them were Kikuyu, an ethnic group in Kenya that was seriously affected by European colonization and land dispossession. In the early 1950s, Kikuyu militants, along with Imbo and Meru fighters, carried out attacks on Europeans, raided farms, and destroyed livestock. They gained support for their anti-colonial cause using a campaign of oath-taking, often resorting to intimidation and threats. As the movement grew, some branches of the Kenyan African Union became more radical. Still, Europeans and the colonial government made few concessions and continued their oppressive rule. By mid-1952, an overwhelming majority of Kikuyu adults had taken the Mau Mau Oath. The origin and meaning of the term Mau Mau are nebulous, but it broadly referred to the anti-colonial militants in the conflict. The Mau Mau went after Kikuyu, who aligned themselves with the colonists, and soon the government realized that the militants were a threat that could not be ignored. In October of 1952, just weeks after a Kikuyu chief who opposed the Mau Mau movement was assassinated, a state of emergency was declared in Kenya and British troops were sent in. This marked the start of the Mau Mau uprising. Police rounded up Kikuyu who were suspected of being leaders of the Mau Mau uprising, but the Mau Mau continued to organize and kill colonists and their Kikuyu supporters. Some people emerged as military commanders, including Warohio Itote and Daydan Kimathi. The government responded by evicting Kikuyu from land claimed by colonists on a mass scale. It also put suspected Mau Mau actors in concentration camps, where they faced torture and abuse. These actions drove more indigenous Kenyans to join the anti-colonial fight. The Mau Mau continued to lead raids and attacks against police and loyalists even after British forces dropped bombs on Mau Mau camps and Itote was captured, the rebels continued fighting. But by the end of 1955, most Mau Mau fighters had been driven out of the forest and were basically incapable of organizing any military campaigns. The conflict lasted until 1960 when the state of emergency was ended, though it effectively was over when Kimathi was captured and put on trial in 1956. The true death toll is a subject of debate. The official number of deaths is at 11,000 Mau Mau and rebels and only 32 white colonists, along with about 26 Asians. But other estimates put the death toll at a much higher number, with up to 90,000 Kenyans executed, tortured, or injured, and even more detained. Though the Mau Mau had been defeated and endured thousands of deaths, 
The conflict encouraged anti-colonialism and nationalism in Kenya and inspired a movement for independence from colonial rule. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you've seen any good history memes lately, you can send them to us on social media at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Our email address is thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you same place tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.